Oh, it's so good to see you guys today. You guys are blessed to be here. How many of you say amen, Pastor? I'm blessed to be here. You guys have sur- you've survived another week, crazy week. But I have a word for you this morning that's going to bless us as we go into part three of our health series. You guys enjoying the health series so far? I can't wait for October to be over. Man, it's been so heavy on me studying all this, and the devil has been real this month for me. But Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, as we go here, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not even touch it, or you will die. Verse 4, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. They realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day. And he hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to man, Where are you? Where are you? Isn't it amazing that God's first question to mankind was, Where are you? And I want to ask you this question this morning. Where are you? It's important. Where are you right now in your life? As we go into this subject, the first day we talked about what in hell is going on. The second week we talked about what on earth is going on. And this week we're going to answer this question. What were you thinking? Anyone ever ask themselves that question? Dating the wrong person, what was I thinking? Married to the wrong person, what was I thinking? Worst choices of your life, what was I thinking? And the the wrong answer is, I wasn't thinking. That's not true, you were. We're going to answer this question as how Satan deceives your thoughts. Let's pray. Father, bless this word as we preach it. Use it to set us free. For anyone here or listening online, Lord, that may be in bondage to thoughts of the enemy. We pray, Father, that you would set us free and free indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. As we get into this topic, what was I thinking? February 6, 1996. Flight 301 was leaving the Dominican Republic to go to Germany. As the plane took off, 12 seconds later, as this plane was flying in the air, the plane began to struggle and struggle to stay up. And as the pilot began to fight to control this plane, there came a point that it couldn't anymore. The plane suddenly just fell off the sky, fell into the ocean, and everyone on that plane died. All 189 passengers. And as they were getting the wreckage from the ocean and getting all the destruction, all the pieces of brokenness, it was up to investigators to find out what went wrong. And they would set up this warehouse to put all the pieces together, trying to figure out what went wrong in this plane because the plane was fine. 
everything checked out. And when they finally got to the black box that held all the information in the last few seconds of that flight, investigators were shocked as to what brought this entire plane down. And it may shock you here this morning. They found that one wasp had made his way through the head of the plane into an instrument that's called a tube. And the tube is so vital because it's what feeds the information to the pilot of the speed of the plane, the height of the plane, what's happening in the plane's unit. But see, the plane was resting for 20 days without being used. And in those 20 days of rest and unuse, this one little wasp managed to get in the head of the plane into that tube and settle and make a nest. And because that nest was in the tube, it fed the wrong information to that pilot. And the pilot was going based on the information, the false information it was receiving. And even though it was pilot error that brought this plane down, what really ultimately was the problem was the failure to check the head of the plane. All of this could have been prevented had someone just checked the head and the tube and seen that one little wasp that did not belong. Folks, this is the picture of what Satan does in our lives. Jesus says that Satan has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. But one of the most vital verses you have to remember is found in Proverbs 23, 7. And this is exactly what the devil knows. The Bible says, for as he, say that with me, as he thinks within himself, so he is. The Bible gives us wisdom in Proverbs. And wisdom that tells us the way you think has a profound impact in who you become as a person. The way you think will ultimately affect the way you live. The way you think has a way of you making choices, good or bad. It is vital that you watch how you think. The devil knows that this is true. The devil knows that this is accurate. And the devil knows that your thoughts can really determine the outcome of your life and your future and your destiny. So the saying is alive and real. And his target amongst Christians is our heads. So if our heads are the target, his weapon is lies. Jesus says he's the father of lies. His weapon of choice is lies. And just like the wasp that does not belong in the head of the plane are the lies and the thoughts that do not belong in the head of a Christian. That do not belong in the head of a child of God, a daughter of God. But so many believers are losing control of their lives. So many believers are falling apart and families are falling apart and children are going off course because we are failing to take a true evaluation of our head, our thoughts, and how they're determining the outcome of our lives. If our target is aimed at the head, and Satan's choice is lies. Like the wasp, Satan's going to try to feed you wrong information. He's going to try to put you into a place and fill you with such lies that it affects the way you control your plane. It affects the way you control your life. It affects the way you live for the Lord. And when you have wrong thoughts, that have settled into your mind. 
it automatically begins to affect your emotions. And your emotions dictate the choices you're going to make. And your choices, according to God, will either bless you or curse you. So if Satan wants to truly bring you down, he has to influence your emotion. And in order to influence your emotion, he has to target your thoughts. And sadly today, there is a lot of Christians going down. Amen? There is a lot of churches going under. There is a lot of believers not living in the freedom that Jesus died for. There is a lot of marriages crashing and burning. There is a lot of children going off course. And it seems like we can't regain control. And the devil is just trying to fill you with lies. And we see this in the very beginning of mankind through Adam and Eve. Satan did something interesting to Eve. He fed her wrong information. Lies. He fed her four particular lies that today are destroying our own life. First, he lied to Eve about sin. God warned them, you will die if you eat this fruit. And Satan said to Eve, did God really, really say that? Can we just question the word of God right now? Can I just put a little doubt in you? Have you noticed today in the church how many people are questioning the authority of God's word? How many people are adding and taking away and taking it out of context and trying to change the word of God in order to fit the sin they want to live in their life? Satan lied about sin. Directly lied. You won't die. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. You're going to get away with it, Eve. You're not going to suffer any consequences, Eve. Eve, this is not going to hurt anyone at all. You're going to be fine. It's not so bad. And notice what the devil did with sin. The Bible says when Eve saw that the tree was good, here's the truth. The tree was good, but the tree was also what? Evil. But what did the devil get her to only focus on? The good. Let's be honest, church. Sin feels good. You're like, no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. It feels good for a moment. It feels good for a season. And you're only going to see the good in sin. That's what the devil talks about. He's going to show you the good as he hides the evil. He's not going to show you the destruction. He's not going to show you the pain it's going to bring to you and your family. He's not going to show you the lives and the destiny you're going to destroy. He only shows you the sin. That's good. And that's why so many people today are in sin in the church. Because you're deceived into thinking that it's good. It's not so bad. It's not going to hurt me. God will forgive me. Satan will lie to you about the grace of God. He will take the grace of God to mean you have a license to sin. God's going to forgive you anyway. You might as well do it. He lied to her about sin. He lies to her about God. For God knows that when you eat of it, you will be like him. God is holding back from you. Eve, there's so much more to this God that you're not even realizing. He is misleading you. He's holding out on you. It's so much better on the other side, Eve. Eve, don't be so radical. God is holding out on you. There's more to life than the will of God, Eve. And the lie created a discontentment that Eve could have been content with what God had given her because the Bible says that every good gift comes from above. But see, God, that Satan's going to try to lie to you and think that, no, God is 
holding back from you. There's so much good out there you're missing out on. Eve, just do this because God is holding back from you. God is holding nothing back from us. He loves you. Every good thing comes from God and He wants to bless you. Do not let the devil lie to you that life outside of God is good. Nothing good comes out of anything that's outside of the will of God. Can I get an amen on that? Nothing good comes out of it. But the devil wants to lie and put discontentment into your life. She had everything in that garden. But it wasn't enough. She needed the one thing she couldn't have. That's Satan. She commits the sin. Takes Adam with her. Lie number three. You should run. You should be ashamed of yourself. Look at you. Naked. You failed. How dare you call yourself a child of God? God wants nothing to do with you. God's going to destroy you. God regrets he made you, Eve. You should just run. You and your husband just run away from God as far as you can because there's no going back to God now. The devil will lie to you about shame. Shame is a gift that can lead you to repentance and back to God. But the devil will get shame to get you away from God. That's why the Bible says that as Jesus was hanging on the cross, he despised the shame. What does that mean in the Greek? It literally means he thought away the shame. As sin was coming on Jesus, the devil was trying to get Jesus to a place of shame, but the, Jesus just thought it away. The devil wants to bring shame and guilt to your life. The feeling of worthlessness is so evident in the lives of so many believers in the church. And so many Christians think that they're unworthy to pray. They're unworthy to ask for forgiveness. They're unworthy to come to church because God is angry with them. God is mad at them. And the devil will lie to you and get you to run away from God. And the fourth lie, blame your husband. Blame the devil. They were fighting with one another. Adam said, it was a wife you gave me. Since the beginning of time, yes, men, it's always been our wife's fault. It's the wife you gave me. Well, Eve, what do you have to say? It's the devil you created. And the devil doesn't want you to take responsibility for your own life and choices. Because when you do, God can restore you. But you keep blaming and finding fault and being negative. It's my childhood. It's my parents. It's the government. It's this person. It's my ex. It's society. It's the world. It is no one but you. You are responsible for the choices of your life. But he lies. They once enjoyed fellowship with one another. Adam and Eve were once so close and now they're divided because the devil has them blaming each other. Because Satan hates unity. When it was Adam and God, Satan was there, but he left them alone. But when she came into the picture and joined with her husband, the devil says, now that they're together, I got to set them apart. Be careful when you have negative thoughts about your spouse. You married her for a reason. But the devil's going to tell you the reason you're unhappy is because of her. The reason you're miserable is because of him. You might as well go for someone else. You're missing out. God is holding back on you, girl. You, know, you got to go out there. And that's why you're out there in your little hot yoga pants looking around, seeing if you still got it. Because the devil's trying to lead you away from your spouse. He'll destroy you. 
He sends his little wasp to feed you wrong information to affect the choices you're going to make. That's why today we see severe, extreme destruction like murders, violence, and abuse. We see other levels of destruction in, in, in people. Depression. Selfishness. Pride. Anxiety. Addiction. Destroying you. Strife. Bitterness. Unforgiveness. Hatred. Lust. Pornography. Adultery. Divorce. Does it seem like the people today are losing control, church? Does it seem like the world has just lost their mind? Because they have. You're losing control of your life because you're losing your mind. If God would get all the broken pieces of your life and search for the black box, it's going to determine what happens. 100% of the time, God's going to tell you this. I found your black box that destroyed your family. I found the black box that destroyed your marriage. I found the black box that led you to pornography. I found the black box that tells me why you committed adultery. I found the black box that led you to drug addiction, alcohol addiction. I found the black box that led you to depression, anxiety, and fear. And if you would ask God, well, what did the box say? He would say, you led a life where you allowed the wasp in your head. It all started when you failed to check your head. Every choice you've made started with the thought. Every emotion you felt started with the thought. Every regret you have started with the thought. The worst choices of your life was a thought. The destruction of your life came when you failed and lost your mind. The downfall of man. That we, we want to blame Eve. I know you do. We even want to blame the devil. Whose fault is it, church? Adam. No, but, but she did it, and he, the devil. Adam. Adam did it. Romans 5.12. Let me prove this to you. When who sinned? Now, who in the garden sinned? Adam and? But what is God, who does God put the focus on? Adam. Why? Because Adam was the head of his marriage. He was the head of his life. He had the responsibility to care for his wife and his family and the future of his family. And Adam messed up. When Adam's sin entered the world, Adam's sin brought death. Adam's sin Spread to everyone for everyone's sake. How did Adam drop the ball? How did Adam let this happen? Because when I used to read this in Sunday school, I used to think, oh, it's the woman. Why did the woman have to do it? We would have been living in paradise. Thanks, Eve. And I have a picture of Adam 
And in my mind, Adam was by himself serving the Lord, doing the best he could, but it was her. She had to come naked in front of him, here, honey, and feed him. That's not what happened. Where did Adam go wrong? Verse 6 of Genesis tells us, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was where? Who was where? With her. The entire time, this snake is talking to his wife, leading her, deceptive her with her thoughts, leading her into sin, lying to her about sin, lying to her about God, lying to her about everything. Adam did nothing. He was with her, but did nothing. And can I tell you what the downfall of every man's going to be? Every family's going to be? Every household's going to be? It's men that do nothing about the devil. It's men that are complacent and let the devil destroy their children. Let the devil destroy their home. Let the devil lead their wives astray. And men are lazy and complacent when it comes to spiritual matters and do nothing. The devil is not threatened by a man who does nothing. I'm going to sit here and lie. You're going to do nothing. I'm going to sit here and tempt you. You're going to do nothing. I'm going to sit here and destroy your marriage, but you're going to do nothing. I'm going to sit here and lead your kids away from God, but you're going to do nothing. You're going to sit here and watch me destroy your house. And that's why Jesus calls a Satan a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If a thief comes into your house and you sit there and do nothing, I will feel no sorrow for you. Can you imagine a thief coming into your home, threatening your life, threatening your family, but you're just going to leave it there and do nothing and just watch? And then you're going to sit with me, David, my home was wrecked, everything is gone, my children are gone. What did you do? Nothing. I would say you got what you deserve. The downfall of everyone today, not just men, is the spirit of tolerance that has entered the church. I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. I'm just going to tolerate this talking snake. I'm going to let these wasps just come in and build a nest and do nothing. Maybe that's why so many of us are losing control. Because the devil and his wasp are trying to get into your head and you're doing nothing. As a Christian, you shouldn't tolerate sinful thoughts. As a Christian, you shouldn't tolerate thoughts that bring you down. You shouldn't tolerate anything the devil is trying to use to destroy you. 2 Corinthians 11.3, Paul says this to a church. He says, I'm afraid. To a church, he says, I'm afraid. That just as Eve was deceived. By the serpent's cunning, your what? Your minds. He may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Paul tells a church like ours, filled with imperfect people trying to serve God. And he noticed that when this church was going a little bit astray, compromising with sin, doing nothing about sin in their lives. Paul writes a letter and he doesn't say, just, just do better. He doesn't say, well, no one's perfect. You know, just keep trying. At least you're in church. 
Paul says, I'm afraid for this church. I'm afraid that the devil, the same devil that used Eve's head to lie to her, is doing this to you guys. I'm afraid that he's using your minds to lie to you, to lead you astray from devotion to Christ. I feel like Paul should resend that email or that letter, you might say today, to all the churches in America and say that devil that tricked Eve and brought destruction, I'm afraid he's in the church too. I'm afraid he's in the lives of many believers. And Satan is using your mind to deceive you. For what purpose exactly? To lead you astray, Paul says, from devotion to Christ. Satan has a target. It's your head. His weapon, his lies. His goal, to lead you astray from devotion to Christ. Think about it. All Satan wants us to lead us astray from devotion to Christ. Why? Because there is power when you're devoted to Jesus. When you're devoted to the Lord, and I don't mean when you warm a bench on a Sunday for an hour and a half. That's not devotion. I mean when you are leading and living your life to please God and serve Him at His will when you're growing in the Lord, when you're trying to say, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm going to serve you and my household, and we're trying, Lord, our best, we're going to fail, but we are here to serve you. When you are devoted to God, to church, prayer, His Word, seeking Him at all times, then you can say, I'm devoted to Christ. But you're not devoted because you go to church on a Sunday for an hour. You go to the gym more. You go to the movies more. You're going to work more. So don't say, my devotion is to the Lord. Satan's target is your devotion. Because there is power, church, when you're devoted to Christ. Let me explain. You're less likely to fall in sin when you're devoted to Christ because the Bible says when you walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You are less likely to fall into the sinful nature that Christ killed for you when you're devoted to the Lord. When you're devoted to the Lord, you have more peace. When you're devoted to the Lord, you have more joy. You're more likely to do His will. Seek the things of God. And the devil hates that. When you're devoted to the Lord, you're living for God's kingdom. Satan hates that. Let me, get, let me go further. If you're single, but you're single and devoted to the Lord, it's more likely you're going to marry someone that's devoted to the Lord as well. And when two couples fall in love and come together as one, as devoted Christians, get devoted to the Lord, you have a high chance of raising your kids that are devoted to the Lord. And when you raise children that are devoted to the Lord, most likely their children are going to be devoted in the generation thereafter. And all it takes is one person to go astray to bring all of that on you. You're devoted to something right now. It may not even be the church. It may not even be the Lord. But maybe Satan has deceived you into being devoted to the job you have. The job that God gave you, by the way. Who put the tree on the garden? God did. Who used that tree to lead them away from God? The devil did. Let me tell you that the gifts that God has given you, the devil can use to lead you astray. God gave you a job. Amen, right? 
The devil's going to say, yeah, but what if you lose the job? You better go to work more. You better go overtime. You better do more. You got to work, 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 and work, work, work. And don't go to church. Don't pray. Don't read your Bible this morning. Go to work. It's all about your job. Everything you think about is your job, my career. Have you ever noticed this generation's obsessed with career? It's who I am. It's not who you are. Why? Because the day you're fired, what? Then you're nobody? You are not your career. The devil says, no, no, get devoted to that. Be devoted to a job. Be devoted to money, more money. Be devoted to pleasure and materialism and yourself and your world and your desires. Be devoted to that, not the Lord. And he misleads you to stop you from being devoted to the Lord. That's why you notice that during the week, the devil is in your head more on a Sunday than any other day. First thought in my head this morning, you should stay. I'm like, wait, but I'm the pastor. You're real tired, Dave. You're real tired. Just call someone to cover. How many of you got that walk today? Oh, man, all the volunteers at church. Oh, gosh, okay. <laughs> Just stay in. You ever notice when you try to read your Bible, all your thoughts come in? Distraction? Or even in the church right now. You're so naive. You think it's coincidence I'm, as I'm preaching the Word, you're thinking about lunch? You're thinking about Monday? You're thinking about work? You're thinking about, should I answer this text? Should I just check my, my Instagram? Should I do that? How many right now, I was preaching, check your Instagram, social media? How many of you right now thought about lunch or work or laundry or anything that's not related to this sermon at all during this hour that we're together? The devil is a lie. He has you thinking. Away from it. What do you do? First Peter 5.8. It says, be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. How many of you now know what sober means? Because of Jesus? How many, let me phrase it this way. How many of you know what it's not to be sober? There's influence that affects your behavior, your thoughts, the way you do things, the way you speak, the way you handle people. It's an influence. The Bible says, Peter says to the church, to think right. He doesn't just say, go to church, read your Bible, pray, fast, be a good Christian, be the best you can. You know what all he says? Hey, you better think right. You better watch out. Be sober-minded. Watch out. Your adversary, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone, anybody to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by all the brotherhood throughout the world. You see, Peter tells the church, to be sober-minded, you better start thinking right. Because there's a devil like a roaring lion. He's just prowling around looking for someone to devour. And how does he find a target? He says, the mind. Oh, I can get in his head. I can get in her head. And he's ro just roaming around. Looking to devour. Destroy. But here's the good news. Peter says, resist him. You can resist the devil today. And the wasp that he's trying to just nest in your thoughts. Resistance means to fight. You're going to have to fight this devil off. How many of you are trying to say, does it feel like you're fighting the devil off lately? 
I fight with him every Sunday in this pulpit. As I'm preaching, I have God leading me and the devil behind me. The thoughts, they're not listening. Look at that person. He yawned because you are boring. <laughs> that person checked his watch, preaching too long. They're, you've lost them. Look at that person. They got up. I remember one lady got up and left. She was new. I said, oh my gosh, I offended her. She's never going to get saved. She's never going to hell. And that would look at her. You messed up. She only got up to teach. She came right back. The devil lies. He lies. How do you resist the devil? Positive thinking. Church, does that work? Because that is positively stupid. You don't do that. How do you resist them? Genesis 3.15. Let's go back to the story of Adam and Eve. God now speaks. And he's talking to the devil. He says, I will cause hostility between you and woman and the woman. He says, you're going to bring a lot of hostility to people between her offspring, your offspring and her offspring. And then he talks about Jesus, amen? He says, he, that's Jesus, he will strike your word, your head. Come on, praise God. He says, he will strike your head. Oh, you're going to strike his heel. Talking about the crucifixion, but he's going to crush, destroy you. But how? God gives us a clue. What body part did he mention? Head. He says, I'm going to destroy you with my son Jesus. And he's going to crush you, destroy you. And his target is the same target you have. Your head. Did you know there's a bounty on the devil's head right now. But God was showing us how to defeat the devil. You literally use his own weapon against him. The same way the devil targets your head and the weapons is lies. You have to target his head, but your weapon is God's truth. The truth of his word. Philippians 4.8 says this to a church. Finally, Christians, brothers, that's us, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, if anything is praiseworthy, think, stay with me, think about such things. How do you resist the devil? You literally have to examine your thoughts. Think about what you're thinking about. And align it. I know this is a lot to remember. Because some of you are going to have a thought. You're not going to say, okay, is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? Is it admirable? Is it this? You don't know how to do that. I couldn't do that. But your pastor has your back. I'm going to help you to easily resist the devil by combining all of these into a simple word. The word is what? What? This is how you identify a demonic thought. Does it make you feel worthless? Does it make you feel anxious? Does it make you feel stuck? Does it make you feel pain? If you answer yes to any thoughts that do any of this, there's a wasp in your head. If you think something that makes you feel worthless, if a sudden thought comes, you're going to be the, the, you're the worst Christian there is. God can never use you. You are the worst employee. You are the terrible parent. You are the worst. God hates you right now. And you feel worthless because you have regret and you've made mistakes. And the worthlessness comes because of your past, what people have done to you, what people have said to you, and it makes you feel worthless. You know that's not God talking. If the thoughts bring anxiety, 
that causes you to worry and live in fear. What's going to happen? And what if? And you can't sleep. And you're constantly thinking the worst. And what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what if that happens? What am I going to do? And what if? And what if? And you're anxious and, and you're worried and afraid. You know those thoughts are not God. Because the Bible says he keeps in perfect peace those whose minds are fixed on him. If there's no peace and that thought, that thought is not God. If it make you feel stuck, it's never going to change. It's always going to be like, you'll never get better. You're never going to get better. You just might, might as well stop trying. Stop going to church. Stop trying. Don't even pray about it. Stop trying. It's not, it's, it's pointless. You're never going to change. You're never going to get healed. You're going to stay here forever. Nothing is going to change. And you feel stuck. You know that's not God. Does it cause pain? Pain to yourself. Pain to others. then there's a wasp in your head. What do you do? We'll close with this. A wasp will always make his way into your head. Even as a Christian, even as a pastor, church leader, church for years, church for months, church for decades. We live in a world that belongs to the devil. Wasps will come. One, many, several will come. What do I mean by that? A thought's just going to come. Why am I thinking that? Why am I feeling this? Why am I sad? I don't even know. Why am I angry? I don't even know. The devil looks and says to his wasp, go. What do you do? Romans 12, 2. He says, not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transform, metamorpho in the Greek, literally means a complete change, a reference, a butterfly. You see, while the devil sends his bees, God is thinking butterflies. I want you to change so much. So I want you to transform in such a way you're never a caterpillar again. He says, be transformed by going to church more. No. Be transformed by praying more. No. Be transformed by serving more. No. Because you can do all of those things and still be in bondage to your thoughts. He says, the only way to be transformed is by renewing your mind. It's not thinking a thought away. It's not replacing a thought. It's renewing a thought. It's to be reminded of something else that's going to overpower that thought you have. That's what it means to renew. How do you renew your mind? 2 Corinthians 10.5, the Bible says it again to a church. We demolish arguments, thoughts, and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God because the thoughts that the devil puts in your mind is always going to contradict the knowledge of God. It's never going to align with God's Word. That's a clue that that's a wasp. And he says, and we take captive every what? Every thought. You take captive. That word captive leads to overpowering something. How do you overpower the wasp? How do you overpower the thoughts of the enemy? It says you make it obedient to Christ. You have to submit that thought to the word of God and the knowledge of God. What does God say about what I'm thinking about? What does God say about what I'm feeling right now? What is the truth of God's word versus the lie of the enemy in my thought right now? The only way to defeat the demonic thoughts in your head is with the word of God. The Word of God must be the authority of your life. It has to be authority over your thoughts, authority over your feelings, authority over opinions, authority over what people say, authority over circumstances, because the wasps are flying everywhere. And it is a panic. Just this Monday, my dad and I were attacked by a herd of wasps. Don't, don't ask me. That's a long story. 
But the wasps were everywhere, and we were being stung. I got out alive. My dad was like, wait for me. And we were covered in stings. And it was painful, but I say this, and not even in my notes, but I say this because many, many of you have come to this church today with all these stings on you that's hurting you, that's hurting your life and your destiny and your identity. Because the wasps are everywhere. And God says you defeat this by renewing your mind on my word. So my word has to be authority. When you feel worthless, you say, I'm a child of God. When you are worthless in your sin, you say, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed my sin in Christ Jesus. And when you're worried, what's going to happen? The Bible says, do not worry, devil, about tomorrow, for tomorrow it's going to worry about itself. But my God tells me he supplies all my needs, so I ain't worried about it. You renew your mind in the word of God. Here's the problem. How much of the word of God is in you right now? Because you you're not going to fight walk with social media. You're not going to fight walk with Netflix. You're not going to fight walk with the internet. You're only going to fight wasp with the word of God. But all of those other things I mentioned take you away from this. How much of the word of God is in you? Because if you're a Christian today fighting the devil, but you don't know the word of God, It's like me giving you a gun with no bullets and say, good luck. And so many people in church today are defeated because the word of God is not authority and the word of God is not even in their knowledge. That's why you come to church. Because I supply the bullets and God has already given you the gun. So when the devil tries, you're like, no devil. <laughs> but see I don't want someone in church oh the devil oh no I'm out what do I do I'm like I don't know I, I was giving out bullets last Sunday I give out bullets every Wednesday night did you get bullets this morning during your time alone with God the word of God has to be authority but it also has to be something you make time for you get together with your kids and read it. You get together with your spouse and meditate. You get alone with God and read it. Why? Because it is the bullet that's going to kill the wasp in your head. Isaiah 5.13 says this. My people, God's people, have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. The devil will hold you captive because you hold no knowledge of what God says. Church, it's time to renew your mind. Let's all stand to our feet today. Psalm 23, 4 through 6. We know it. We don't really. Let me give you some bullets this morning. Can I give you some bullets? All right. Here's a little nine millimeter for you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, how many of you feel like that right now? Pastor, I'm walking in valleys of death right now. I'm scared about what's going on in the world. I'm scared about what's going on in my life. I'm just scared. I'm in the valleys right now, Lord. I'm in the valleys with my health. I'm in the valley with my child. I'm in the valley in my marriage. This is David. He says, I'm walking through the valley of a shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? Because fear and evil is from the devil. So he's saying, I'm going to fear no devil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God said, David said, I'm not going to get away from the enemy. He's always going to be around. But you prepare a table for me, meaning we have a relationship. And you anoint my what? You anoint my head with oil. And my cup overflows. Bless. But David said, Lord, I need you to anoint my head with oil. Why is this so significant? 
that David said this because as a shepherd, he's speaking his own language. You see, shepherds had a herd of sheep around them. And one of the problems in the Middle East, besides all the problems in the Middle East, is flies. They're everywhere. And these flies would get inside the ears and the nose of the sheep. They would lay eggs and it would become maggots or worms. And these worms would just, would just annoy them and irritate them. And they would bang their heads against each other and bang their heads against trees. And sometimes they get injured. And other times they die and weren't able to walk or even follow the shepherds because of the irritation inside their head. Does it feel like that right now? That in your head, there's all these thoughts that keep you from walking with God. You're just banging into everyone, fighting and striking. And, uh, and I can't take it anymore. God, what do I do? And David said, I'm going to anoint you. God, anoint my head with oil because the shepherd would get oil every morning. He would put it on the, on the sheep's head because the flies hated the smell of oil. Every morning they had this experience of, of seeing their shepherd just pour into their head. So they were able to accomplish, to get through one day. Every day of your life you need to be in the presence of God. Saying, Lord, anoint my head this morning because I'm going to work. And there are some people I butt heads with. Lord, anoint my head with oil because me and my spouse, we're butting heads right now. Lord, anoint my head with oil because I am butting head with my child right now. So to close this sermon today, I know every head bowed, every eye closed to me. How many of you are saying right now, Pastor, I needed this word. Would you just confess that today? Say, Pastor, I needed this word. Would you raise your hand again if you're saying, Pastor, I got lost in my life. Right where you're at, would you come to this altar? Because today, I have oil I want to anoint you with that frankly leads us from this song. The oil is not what delivers you. It's what the oil symbolizes, the presence of God. This oil represents the Spirit of God in your head right now that the devil cannot lay his little eggs in your head. If you're living a life of irritation and fear and depression and anger, thoughts of suicide, thoughts of divorce, thoughts of worthlessness, anger, anxiety, you come forward today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, that frankly leads us in this song of worship. I'm going to anoint you with oil. But you will remember today you are covered by the Spirit of God in your head. And the devil will know he will try to lay his wasp in your head. But make the commitment, church, to his word. Because it is literally the weapon God gave us to fight our adversaries. Father, as we anoint your church today, with every head that is crying out to you for mercy, we pray for freedom as we worship. We thank you for your spirit that sets us free, Jesus. Amen. If you put your hand around that person next to you now at the church, we're going to pray together as a church. If you can. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this sermon. Thank you for this word and worship. For this church family. I believe this church is covered in wasps this morning. But after today's service, Lord, the wasps are all laying here at the altar today. Thank you for your freedom. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your word that sets us free. Father, thank you for the bullets you gave us to defeat this enemy. As we dismiss. Go back to our lives and our work and our families. The wasps are waiting to lay their nest in our head. But this time, Father, it's different. This time we know we have your word. Father, give us a devotion to you, to your word. Help us to spend time daily to anoint ourselves 
with your word and your presence. Set us free from all the demonic lies that the enemy tries to nest in our head. We love you, we thank you, Jesus. We praise you. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise today. Come on, guys, you can do better than that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.